0: This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. As Christians, we like to believe we are loving, open-minded, and tolerant. But when someone challenges this belief, it can be very hurtful and upsetting. In today's message, we will see an example of that happening and find encouragement to stand strong in the face of hostility.
1: It's been said that a good preacher comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. That would make Jesus Christ the greatest preacher of all time. I invite you to stay with us today as we continue on with our sermon series, Jesus Revealed. We begin our worship time in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, you speak to us through your holy scriptures. Grant that we may hear, learn, and make them our own in such a way that the enduring benefit and comfort of your word will help us grasp and hold the blessed hope of eternal life given through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Our reading for today is taken from the fourth chapter of Luke, beginning at verse 21. We're continuing on from last week's reading of Jesus preaching good news In his hometown. Then Jesus began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Isn't this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb Doctor, cure yourself, and you'll say, Do here also in your hometown the things that we have heard that you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel at the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha. And yet, none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When the crowd heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove Jesus out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might throw him off the cliff. But Jesus passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Dear friends, I'd like to do a little sanctified imagining with you today as we begin this message. Picture two men walking down a dirt road in the city of Nazareth. They've just been to a worship service at the synagogue. Their brows are furrowed, and one of them is very animated, waving his arms around, anger in his eyes, saying... That preacher made me so mad. And his friend responds, yeah, me too. He started off fine, seemed like a nice young guy. But by the end of his message, I could have killed him. Yeah, his friend said, he's lucky he got out of town alive. I wonder, by the way, how he avoided getting thrown off that cliff. It's the strangest thing I've ever witnessed, kind of a miracle. Friends, if that preacher was a friend of yours, you'd probably advise him to move on and start looking for a new call, wouldn't you? That preacher these two men were talking about was Jesus. He had just preached in his hometown of Nazareth He'd read from the scroll of Isaiah in the synagogue service and then expounded on the text announcing that he's the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, that the new day God had promised long ago through Isaiah had finally arrived, that release is here, help has arrived, the year of the Lord's favor has come, good news, good things ahead. But look at their response in our passage today. They spoke well of him and marveled at his gracious words. You can almost hear it. Oh, he read that well. I like that passage. It's a favorite. That's really good news, all right. A king, a redeemer from God coming to help us. Now, wouldn't that be something? But at the same time, they were asking themselves, but him? Jesus? Isn't this Joseph's son, the carpenter? We watched him grow up in this town. They were skeptical, weren't they? They were hesitant to buy into this news that they had heard. Maybe we shouldn't be too hard on them, though. We need to understand some background history. They had seen so-called messiahs come and go and bring about uprisings against the power of Rome only to fail disastrously and bring down their whole community with them that believed in him. That's why they had to have wondered to themselves, do we want to risk falling in behind Jesus? There's a chance we could wind up destroyed just like our neighbors down the road in Sepphoris. True, they had heard through the grapevine about his preaching in other towns like Capernaum and his miracles, but he had not shown them any of that in his own hometown of Nazareth. This is not the response Jesus is looking for to his good news. His own hometown doesn't respond in faith and belief. They only said, well, nice thoughts, and then questioned his pedigree. So Jesus didn't stop the message there, did he? he? kept on preaching to overcome their unbelief. The second part of his message is actually quite courageous when you think about it, for he knew their thoughts, and so he went on to quote two familiar proverbs to them. He said, I, I know what you're thinking, physician, heal thyself, that you're waiting for miracles from me like I did in Capernaum. And then he followed that with another proverb. Truly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. He seemed to be referring to himself as a prophet. Uh, Remember, a prophet is one chosen by God to speak God's truth to his people. And then Jesus used two illustrations from a very dark time in Israel's history when there was unbelief and spiritual apostasy against God as the people worshipped idols. He said, speaking of prophets, remember Elijah. You can find this in 1 Kings, by the way. It's a story when everyone else was starving from the famine God had produced, his punishment. But God chose to feed a non-Jewish woman and not the rest. Then he told the story of Elisha that we also find in 2 Kings. He said, there were a lot of lepers in Israel, But God chose to only heal the non-Jewish soldier, Naaman, who acted in faith and did as Elisha told him. Suddenly, the crowd stirred up and not in a positive way. They're angry. They're up in arms. Hostility fills the room. There is a rage against Jesus. He got a response, but not what he was hoping for. He was attempting to awaken them to truth, to repentance and belief. Instead he got rage. Why this rage? Well, first of all, they hated Gentiles, non-Jews. Prejudice ran deep against their enemies. They believed that God would destroy the Gentiles and elevate Israel to a position of power in the world. They had come to believe that God only cared about the people of Israel. So when Jesus talks this way about God caring about non-Jews, in their minds, Jesus is talking crazy false prophecy, and they won't hear of it. They're right. He's wrong. Let's get rid of him. Shut this false prophet up, as scripture says. And they were insulted as well. Jesus seems to be comparing us to the evil ones, to the dark ones who had turned away from God back in history. How dare he say something like that? We're good people. God-fearing people. Not a real happy ending to the story. They so rejected him, this congregation became an angry mob that drove him out of town and tried to throw him off a cliff to finish him off once and for all. Fortunately, they didn't succeed. Why? Because the only miracle they saw that day was Jesus passing through the mob unharmed. How that happened, I don't know. Did he become invisible? Did everybody just freeze and he walked through? I don't know. But we do know this. God protected him, for it was not his time yet. And this is actually a witness from God to his people, affirming the identity of Jesus, that what Jesus had said was true. Jesus left them behind in their unbelief and anger, never to return. I would classify this as a tough day in the pulpit. Wouldn't you? And yet this episode is only a preview of what's to come for Jesus and eventually his church. God's good news announced, rejected with hostility and violence. As John the Gospel writer says, he came to his own and his own received him not. So as we think about our sermon theme, Jesus Revealed, what's being revealed to us about Jesus today? Well, we learn in this episode that he's the appointed Messiah from God, the fulfiller of Old Testament promises, and we learn that he wants us to receive his truth from God. That he's come like the prophets of old, but in fact, Jesus is the Messiah. In fact, he'll say of himself, I am the truth. And what are we to do with his truth? receive it. But sometimes that's hard. His truth can upset and disturb us. We've seen his words today challenge people's prideful and prejudiced assumptions in Nazareth, his own hometown. They'd come to believe that God doesn't care about anybody but us. He hates everybody but Jews. They were sure of that, even though God had told them in the Old Testament that they were to be a light to the nations, a blessing to the nations of the earth. But somehow, in all their hurt and disappointment over time, that truth had gotten set aside in favor of, of the idea that God hated those who oppressed them. He hated them as much as they did. And that became their truth they lived by. And when Jesus comes along and says otherwise, kill the preacher is their response. Sometimes the truth can be very upsetting. Jesus' truth still can upset many even today. Let's look at some of the assumptions that people carry around that Jesus might shake a little bit with his truth. We love the passage in Matthew, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's good, comforting news. We like that idea that Jesus is here to take care of us. Some might even begin to believe that life is going to be pain-free and happy with Jesus. But then later, Jesus says in Matthew, if anyone would come after me and be my disciple, let him deny himself and pick up his cross and follow me. It's in losing your life for my sake that you find it. And that is a little more upsetting and challenging to us. That's not what I was looking for, some people say. That sounds hard, sacrificial, inconvenient. I want the comfort, not the cross. God wants me to be healthy and wealthy. That's his plan for my life. These words are upsetting, and so I don't buy it. Jesus has also told us God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We like putting our own name in that statement. God so loved Steve. God so loved Mary but then the same Jesus goes on to say later, love your neighbor as yourself, even if your neighbor is someone who's not like you, who you might even consider despicable. And oh, by the way, pray for your enemies who hurt you. That upsets us because we want to believe that there are some people that even God can't love. And so we don't have to either. Love that person. You got to be kidding, Jesus we are more comfortable with our prejudices and judgments. We read in John 14, these lovely words, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me and my Father's house. There are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? We like that news. It's comforting to us, especially in our funerals. But then Jesus goes on to say, and remember, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. And that upsets people. Wait a minute. I don't like that, they say. I'm, I'm tolerant, open-minded. I've always believed that all roads lead to God. I just happen to be on the Jesus road. My non-Christian neighbor's on her road. Who am I to question her beliefs? Or someone might respond, well, Jesus died for everybody, right? Therefore, everybody's saved. He never intended to be so narrow and exclusive. Maybe he didn't really say these words they reason. It's upsetting. Sometimes people hurt us and we carry our grudges and our bitterness and we long for revenge and think someday they'll get theirs if I have my way. And Jesus says to us, forgive as I've forgiven you. If you don't forgive, God will not forgive you. I've seen that kind of talk upset many people. They want their pound of flesh. They want to get even. They believe that revenge is sweet. He can really be upsetting this Jesus. But here's some good news from the truth teller himself. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, his truths are given not to hurt, but to help. Listen to him, trust him. You see, That day as the citizens of Nazareth tried to throw him off a cliff, little did they know that he truly was speaking the truth from God. This was early on in his ministry. But you and I live on the other side of the resurrection from the dead. God affirmed every word that Jesus said as truth when he raised him on Easter. Jesus is the one who has the words of eternal life. Who has come to save us from ourselves, to expose us to our pride, our false assumptions, our sinfulness, and then put us on a new path of freedom with his gospel, him leading us to the way of life God intended for us, to eternal life. You see, Jesus didn't come to soothe you in your sin. He came to save you from your sin. He didn't enter this world to tell you what you want to hear, but what you really need to hear and believe. Out of love for you, he went to the cross to pay for your debt of sin and rescue you. And he rose again, proving once and for all that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. His way, his truth, is life. Some reject him and his truth, but others do receive him. To reject him is to reject life with God, but to receive him is to receive life. Millions upon millions have discovered that he is the one who sets us free from our sin and its consequence is death. He is the one who lights up a life with his love and grace and constant presence. He is the one who has the words of life that we need to listen to and follow. I thank God for this disturbing, truth-telling preacher, Jesus, for this Savior who has spoken into my life and changed it for the better. I don't even want to think of where I'd be without Jesus in my life. I hope he's in yours too. One last word for those who have received him, who serve him in his church and in the world. Remember that chapter one of Luke was, we are informed that this story is written for a believer named Theophilus. The story is not only meant to reveal Jesus' identity to us, it's also meant to reassure and encourage followers to stand strong on the truth of Jesus Christ and don't be surprised if you face some rejection and take a hit of some sort for the truth of the gospel of Christ. According to this story, you stand in good company if that happens. Jesus himself. And he promises, Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Would you join me in a prayer? Lord, your word is truth and the truth has the power to set us free. We thank you for all of your word, the good news of salvation and comfort and peace, as well as the words that disturb us and upset us and challenge us along life's way. As Jesus brought your word to the world, may we be faithful not only in trusting and living by your word, but also courageously sharing it with others. In the name of Jesus, we ask this, Amen. Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way. May he go behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen.
0: You've been worshiping with the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to stand strong on the truth of Jesus Christ. And not be surprised when you face rejection for the truth of the gospel of Christ. For Jesus Himself promises to be with you always to the end of the age. As a nonprofit ministry, Christian Crusaders is dependent upon the free will gifts of our listening audience. Many people choose to remember a loved one with a memorial gift, which can be given in memory of a special person on their birthday or another meaningful occasion. If you would like to make a donation in loving memory of someone, send it to Christian Crusaders, 7401, University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-MY-FAITH. That's 888-693-2484. In the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. We thank all those who support this ministry with their prayers and gifts. Christian Crusaders now broadcasts over 27 radio stations in 11 states, Katali, Kenya, Shortwave in Europe, and on the Internet, where you can find additional resources and past sermons. Visit us anytime at www.christiancrusaders.org. For added benefit of the message, join us on Facebook and Twitter. That's ChristianCrusaders.org. We are grateful you chose to worship with us today, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was the Rev. Steve Kramer. Pastor Emeritus of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota, and speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 83rd year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting.